Well, here we are. So, um, Jesus, and I don't, I don't know if you've, you've noticed this, but Jesus had the ability to make statements. And some of them kind of roll off your tongue until you actually think about what he's saying. And then, well, kind of a real shiver goes down your spine. And, and Jesus made one of these statements that I want you to think about. Jesus said, how you judge other people, that's how you're going to be judged. And the measure you use, that's the measure. Ooh. See, not enormously happy about that, really. Because what he's saying is this, listen, right? and, and I know you'll be fine with it, it's, it's only me. But it works like this, somebody really lets me down, and I have a range, and I mean a fairly wide range of thoughts and attitudes towards that person. Somebody in whom I have some expectations doesn't quite reach them. Another range, usually quite broad and extensive, with a, an interesting vocabulary attached to it, quite often then follows my sense of disappointment. Now, what I'm actually saying to God here, according to Jesus, is this. Every time I don't perform, every time I disappoint somebody, every time I let someone down, God, I want you to use that same extensive vocabulary and wide range of attitudes towards me. I don't know about you, I'm not happy with this deal. This, this one isn't suiting me particularly well. It, it's not good. It puts me under quite a lot of pressure. It's really heavy going. And this is an interesting thing because I don't actually want today for us to feel particularly pressured by this. So I know that I could, you know, really go to town on this one. Um, but I don't want to um, because then you've read the statement, potentially God will really go to town on me. Uh, and as we've already said, it's a busy day. So, you know, we're, and really that's the truth. Because it isn't actually that, it is the context of this that creates some pressure. You see, all of this is a problem when it's all about us. It's all about me. Now, I don't know about you, but is it all about you? Are you the center of the known universe? Well, frankly, I'm the center of my known universe, as it goes. And this is, there's real pressure in this when we start to think that it all revolves around me. So if somebody lets me down, that is of universally monumental significance because I am, after all, the last person in the whole of the universe that you want to let down because I am the most important person. 
And I am quite entitled, therefore, to pursue all the processes that enable you to understand just how momentously disappointed I am and just how your priorities have not worked out properly and you need to have a good solid rethink. Is that not right? Okay. Now, on that basis, so self, on that basis, let's, what I want you to do is think about how this looks to God. Because think what people say. They say, well, if God X, Y, Z, then I will believe in him. If God comes and shows himself to me, then I'll know. If God performs in this way or that way, if he answers this or that, then we will know. This is self in the middle of the universe. What I want for a second is just to just for you to try and imagine this from God's perspective. I have a small globe here. Can you see the globe? Okay, it's not very big. All right, now, hang on. Right, so just about there, can you see that? (laughs) All right, there is a small peninsula just off the south coast of Scotland. Um, yeah, you can, you, can you see it? Okay, so over towards the left of the, no, that's too far left, we've run out of vowels. Back a bit. Okay, just about there, there's a tiny dot. Now on that dot, just move, yeah, that's it. To, go on, over to the left, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the low bit, the high bit, that's it, yep, yep. The, now, there's a little tiny speck, and outside of that, if you just look, there's a bloke. <laughs> Can you see him? Can you see him? Okay. Now, and I want you to know this is not to scale. <laughs> okay? In that, in God's hand, this is just looking far too big. It's much smaller than that. So here is God, and on that tiny dot in that southern peninsula off the south coast of Scotland is a bloke going, and you'd better perform God or I won't believe in you. And God is going, oh, I am so intimidated. I had better rush across the whole universe and prove myself to dot here. Is that how it works? Seriously, if I am the center of the universe, this is what I am saying. And I'm kind of sorry. It makes me laugh. But... And I know I'm stating the obvious, but it really doesn't work like that. We are not the purpose of the universe. God is the purpose of the universe. So we have to think about about this, and I'm not going to say that it's not true, because we are taught in the Bible some really good things. For example, we are told that we have an identity in Christ. 
Now, what that tells us is that although we are a tiny dot and the universe is enormous, and the universe isn't all that is God, by the way. That's just the universe. He made that. It's in his hand. Who knows what else there is? It isn't that. Amazingly, the Bible tells us that in Jesus, we can have significance in the universe, which is just shocking. We are told that Jesus, who will inherit all of this and beyond, so that's the bits we don't even know about, we are entitled to inherit with him in Jesus. How amazing is that? And we're told that those who are with Jesus will judge the nations of the earth. That's a shocking thing, isn't it? In Jesus. Okay, so who's the big person in this equation? Jesus. We only have significance if we're in Jesus. The Bible says that it is amazing that God should even notice us, and it was the reason for this, because I wanted to just get your perspective. Do you know what I mean? So imagine that there is a spot on a grain of sand on a pea in your hand. Can you spot it? It's amazing that God sees us, let alone knows us, let alone has anything to do with us. Self is there. Meanwhile, however, God has done all of this, and humankind rages around, messing everything up, spoiling each other's lives, ruining the planet that God made, convincing themselves somehow that it all happened without God. From their enormous perspective of the universe, they can tell that. And when it all goes wrong, partly it's God's fault, which is remarkable. But here's the thing, it's not all about us. We're not the center of the universe. Did you know that? We're not the center of the universe. We're out on the left-hand side. But anyway, or is it the right-hand side? Does it go that way? Is it going round? It's over there, anyway. There we are. Now, although the outcome of God's plan for everything that we do wrong might involve us, it's not our plan. It's God's plan. See, the deal is this, and this is where we start, is we don't need a plan. We don't need to fix everything. We don't need the world to revolve around us. Think if it did. If the world revolves around us, pressure on. Don't get it wrong. Spoil the world. Don't hurt other people. Spoil the world. Watch out for others because they're watching you. Kind of spoils your life, that one, doesn't it? Lots of pressure. What would people think? Do you worry about what people think? Yeah, of course you don't. It never bothers you. I know, as if the world revolved around us. But there's the thing, we don't need a plan. God has a plan. All we have to do is get into God's plan. God has the plan, we step into it. If God's plan goes wrong, it's God's fault. When our plans go wrong, it's not God's fault. God's got a plan, it's just we're not in it. Does that make sense? What I'm saying to you is this, get into God's plan, pressure off. 
No more pressure. I don't have to be. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. Now, apart from having some water, because I'm going dry, it's a big place, the universe. Dusty. Okay, so, anyway, apart from us not being self, one of the difficulties, and we do think this often, is the thing about self is that we think that it's all about being self-righteous, about our rightness. But it isn't entirely. There's more to self than self-righteousness. You see that there's self-right. Now, Richard talked about about this, that the self-orientated person has a perspective, even a lifestyle, that is based on, I have entitlement. I am entitled to things. Self-right goes further than this. So there's not just, I have, if I behave in this certain way, I am entitled to get. Really, self goes beyond that, and it goes, because I am who I am, I am entitled to get. That's self. It's quite interesting. Self-right produces issues. Now, Jesus talked a bit about this, and the reference he makes about pearls before swine is a bit related to the children of Israel in exile. Do you know the story? So the children of Israel, they built a nation. God gave them a nation. It was excellent. The only, the only requirement was that they put God in the center of it. That apparently was just beyond their grasp. But they didn't believe that. They believed that because God had appointed them, they were somehow untouchable. They were unmovable. They didn't believe any of the prophets who told them if they kept doing what they were doing, it was all going to go wrong. They didn't believe them because they thought God won't do that to us. Does he know who we are? And they started, so they had incredible things. They did idol worship. So they worshipped things alongside God. They gave them equal importance. They even brought their idols into the temple. That kind of thing never happens today. And that's a relief, isn't it? There is no idolatry in the church of God. It's good. Okay, they also were excessive in their gratification. I am the most important. If I want to eat, drink, whatever, behave, I can do it. They ignored God's laws. They didn't tithe. They took bribes. They extorted. They had an incredible attitude. Here was one of the attitudes. They didn't like the Sabbath because it got in the way of life. And they used to say, it's in the prophets, isn't the Sabbath over yet? We've got stuff to do. So God was really offended but he knew that they wouldn't listen. And the reason they wouldn't listen is they said, like, we are children of Abraham. We are God's elect. He won't abandon us ever because it's all about us. That's a little shocking, isn't it? But Jesus reiterates this to his disciples when he says, and to say, not anyone, everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
but the one who, say, who does the will of my Father. On that day, people will say, but we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. Surely we're in. Do you know who I am? And Jesus says, well, no, don't know you. Seen the works, don't know you. And that's good, because Christians need to understand that we are not entitled. We are bought with a price. Jesus gives us rights. We don't have rights. Jesus has rights. We get Jesus' rights. Does that make sense? Therefore, it's all about him. I, it's an interesting thing, and I've come across this over many, many years, that you meet lots of Christians who don't recognize anymore their need to repent. You will meet Christians who do not believe that they still need to repent. And, and in lots of different ways you will hear this. But this is, of course, not the case. I mean, John the Apostle says... Um, He's cleansed us from our sin. However, if we do sin, because we might need to repent, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But some people say, no, I don't accept that. Jesus already forgave me. Doesn't He know who I am? I'm one of His elect. I don't accept ever any feelings of guilt. I don't accept ever any feelings of shame, which is quite interesting. Because the first thing that the Holy Spirit ever does when He encounters you is convict you of sin. So whether you've been a Christian for 70 years or whether you've only just met Jesus or met the Holy Spirit for the first time ever, if there's sin that needs repenting of, He'll tell you about it. He's sometimes quite nice about it. Occasionally, in my experience, blunt. Uh, but maybe that's because I need that. I don't know. But there's the thing. The Holy Spirit is there. Now, I just want to talk about this because people often say, well, wait a minute. If God is love, why would he give people a hard time? Now, obviously, God isn't necessarily giving us a hard time. He's putting us right. He doesn't do this. But I just want to just focus a second on this word love. Okay, so Paul says, if I don't have love, remember Jesus' thing, if I speak in tongues, this is 1 Corinthians 13, it's very, very famous. Any wedding you go to, speak in tongues. No love, doesn't mean anything. Prophesy, no love, doesn't mean anything. Gifts of knowledge, I can know everything. No love, doesn't mean anything. Faith to move mountains, so on give away possessions, burned at the stake. I haven't signed up for that one yet. Now, when we talk about this love, what we have to think about is it's not the same love that we hear about outside the church. And there's huge confusion in the church about this at the moment. Because people say, well, they love and they love and they love, and God is love, so that's good love. Not the same love, ladies and gentlemen. Not. Now, goodness knows, love is better than not love, but this is not the love that God is. It's not the same. And I know that might confuse you, but it works like this. The fruit of the Spirit, what's the first one? Love. 
The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Love which is generated by being renewed in Jesus and obeying his commands is the love which God has. It's not erotic love. It's not family loyalty. It's not patriotism. It's not hero worship. It's not friendship in the world sense. It has no motive. It is generated by the Holy Spirit. In other words, what I'm saying is, when you hear outside, well, that's love and that's love and that's love and God is love, it's not the same love. It's love generated. This is what Paul says. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to f- please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those that seek him. So therefore, the love of God is generated by faith in Jesus. Do you follow that? Now, that doesn't mean that other love is a bad thing, but it isn't the same. It isn't the same. I appreciate that might be a difficult thing to hear, but it's there. However, that also means that there's nothing we can do to control our entitlement. We, we are not saved because we are good. We're saved because we're bad. I know that a lot of people criticize Christians and say, well, you don't seem so perfect. No, I'm not. That's why I'm a Christian. Fortunately, you in your perfection don't need salvation. I, however, in my massive range of flaws, some of which I've already described to you this morning, desperately, desperately need Jesus to cover that up by his death and resurrection. I need to be made right. I cannot earn anything. Now, here's the good thing. If you can't earn anything from God, that means you don't have to keep beating yourself up to do it. Pressure off. If you don't need that approval, all you need is Jesus. Pressure off. So the universe doesn't revolve around you. Phew, pressure off. You can't earn God's favor. Jesus will give it you. Phew, pressure off. Are you feeling better? Good, okay. The last one here I want to talk a little bit about is about being right. So, we can't organize ourselves with the universe around us because we're so important that the whole universe has to revolve around us. Phew, pressure off. We can't find a way of behaving that means that somehow we are entitled to receive what we need to receive. So, we need to just get it from Jesus. Phew, pressure off. Now, the last one is, within this self thing, is the need to be right. The need to to be right, to know the answers. And for this, I just want to help you a little bit to take the pressure off. And as you already know, the full revelation of God is like Rachel Farron's Victoria Sponge. This is Rachel Farron's Victoria Sponge. Thank you, Rachel. Now, this is the full revelation of God. It's not actually the full revelation of God. It is a sponge, but it's representing the full revelation of God. Now, what you need to understand is this, that the full revelation of God as he gives to us isn't all of God. So God does not reveal all of him or everything to us. You need to understand that. It's not the whole thing. 
It's what God gives us. And I want to ask you a question. Why does God give us this revelation? Why does he give us this revelation? And lots of people think and put a lot of effort into the correctness of the Bible. Now, I have no issue with the historical veracity of the Bible. In fact, the more we discover, the more it measures up. But that's not the issue. The point is that the Bible isn't given to us to prove God's rightness. The revelation of God, the purpose that God reveals himself, is so we might have relationship with him. It isn't so that we know all the answers. It is so that we know him. Now, here's a question. I know my children quite well. They have never, as far as I know, successfully up to this job, actually understood what I ever did for a living. <laughs> they have never really. But they always knew when I've had a bad day. I can tell you that. But they never successfully knew. What was being revealed was for relationship, but it wasn't precise. So if somebody came up to one of my daughters and said, so what does your dad do for a living? And they said, well, people things. And they go, ah, you don't know. I don't believe your dad exists. I looked for answers. You gave me none. Well, there is no such thing as your dad because I don't know everything. And my poor daughters suddenly feel terrible. They're going, oh, no, they don't believe my dad because I haven't told them what he does for a living. But I don't know. This is not how the revelation of God works. This is how we are manipulated to think that we need to know everything to somehow justify God. Remember, justify God. Oh, no, I'm really intimidated. He doesn't believe in me. Do you remember that bit? Yes, we don't have to justify God. We're not here to justify God. God is not revealing himself to you so that you can justify him to anybody else or indeed even to yourself. He is revealing himself to you so you can know him and have a relationship with him. Does that make sense? That means that the whole revelation of God that we receive has gaps. And God is unapologetic about that. A little more about the gaps. However, Sometimes the whole revelation of God is far too much. And we decide that what we've, do, what we've discovered is the slice. We have the slice. There's a lot of this, but that slice, well, that's it. There is no more except for that. I know there is, but really this is where it's at. And I will eat this slice and again and again and again. And God says, I have a whole partly bit of Rachel Farron's sponge left for you. And you go, no, I don't need it. Slice. Got the slice. Now, one of the troubles with this is it's not the whole revelation. It has gaps. So sometimes, when all you have is a slice and there is a gap, you need to fill it with a tonics tea cake. <laughs> Not really. Goodness knows. 
I wish all the gaps in the revelation of God were found in a tonics tea cake. <coughs> but in fact, they're not. In fact, here's the issue. I have this slice, I'm not looking at the cake. I have this slice, I'm looking for the whole revelation of God, but I'm only looking at this slice and I'm not prepared to look at that. And there are gaps. So I fill the gaps with what isn't this. I fill it with other things. And this happens a lot. Quite often, people speculate. Have you come across speculation? Because of this, therefore, these all must be true. Wait a minute, they're not there. They're not what God has revealed. They, they are, we've created this. I'll give you an example. Can I give you an example? Okay. This is an example of the Tunnock's tea cake effect. You can call it that if you like. So there is a tantalizing little crumb that Jesus says that suggests, and I believe it, but that suggests that there is a relationship between children and angels. There is a little statement that Jesus makes that suggests that. And it's not, it's not, he's not being flippant. He's been quite serious. And that is it. It is, that's all we get, this tiny glimpse. However, if you would like to trawl around on the interweb, you will find that you can buy books all about this. Whole books on how you can conjure angels and how you can get your children to tell you what their angels are saying. They, they can tell you how to increase the number of angels that are having relationship with your child. None of this is in the Bible. Why is it not in the Bible? Because we don't need it. But if all we're doing is sticking to a slice and then adding and adding and adding, sorry, the bottom's fallen out of my world, and adding and adding and adding. That's not in the notes, by the way. That was just me being smart. What we end up with is not the revelation of God. And if the revelation of God is for good relationship with God, what is happening to our relationship? It is becoming distorted and distracted, partly because we desperately need to know. We need, when we're put under pressure, we need to be right. We need to have got it. But the reality is, we don't need to know. Now, sadly, lots of very good Christian teachers, and I'm not ruling out the possibility that, that I might be one of them. Lots of good Christian teachers, when they find a gap, end up putting speculation into their books and into their teaching. And I'm very sad that they do it. It doesn't mean that they're not great teachers, and it doesn't mean that you shouldn't admire them. But what it does mean is this, and I have said this before, the Bible is there for you to test my words there, and goodness knows they are more senior than me and much more reliable, but it is there for you to test the whole revelation of God that is made available is so that you can know. Don't take other people's word just in case there's a tonics tea cake in there when what you need is another slice. Do you know what I'm saying? When this is recorded, it's going to cause huge confusion, but you know what I mean.
So here's the thing. We are not under pressure to try and give the rest of the world all the answers. We are not under pressure to know everything ourselves. It is a walk of faith, ladies and gentlemen. We are not under pressure to feel that we have to become expert on one issue or another. In fact, all things come together in Christ. The pressure is off. We don't need, we're not here to gather information. We're here to build relationship. The pressure is off. You know, sometimes something comes up and this is what we say. I don't know. Aha, ha, you don't know. No, I don't. God knows. Take it up with God. Um, try praying. Wait a minute, we've heard that before somewhere. But I will guarantee this. Right? I, I come across this. Late, I, can I just say that this is a good church. I have been involved in previous churches where this was a consistent experience for me. I don't know what God is saying or wanting or asking of me. And I would say to people, well, ask him. Just ask him. Several weeks later, the same person would come back and say, I am really confused and don't know what God... And I would say, have you asked him? And this sort of look would come over there. Well, you knew. No, you, you haven't said a word yet, have you? You haven't, you haven't asked anything yet, have you? Exactly. You're asking me to tell you what God's plan is for you. You know, me, God. Who are you going to ask? Who knows? He does, not me. I'm struggling for myself, thanks. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying here? It's the it, pressure off. I don't need to know the answers to your life. In the reality, I don't need to know the answers to my life. Is it meaningful? Is it worth anything? Am I doing any good? Not my problem. Pressure off. I have responsibilities. I fulfill them. Do they make any difference? God's job. Pressure off. I'm just asked to obey. I'm asked to have relationship with Jesus. Talk to him every day. Let him challenge me. Be humble about it. Tell him how great he is. Believe him when he tells me how much he loves me. Trust him when he says it's going to be okay. That, that's the deal. I don't know about dinosaurs. And look at my face. This is how much I care. <laughs> it makes no difference. And the little dot that demands of God to know will one day get his answer. He might not like it, but he'll get it. As indeed will we all. Pressure off. I want to just show you, and I'm running a little bit over, so I just want to do this quickly. But Mark is going to put a verse up for us. And this is the pressure off passage that, that for you. It's in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. It says this, For consider your calling, brothers. You are called, remember, to be in Jesus, not to be important, not to be clever, not to be fancy, not to be… Your calling is into Jesus. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what was foolish in the world 
to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Trust me, nobody will stand before judgment, wag their finger to God and say, told you so. And God in His mercy, I hope, isn't going to do that to us either. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification. Remember, that's being purified so that you're useful. That's sanctification and redemption. So it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our calling is in Jesus, our salvation is in Jesus, our righteousness is in Jesus, our sanctification is in Jesus. Everything we have, everything we are, everything we know, everything we do is only of value in Jesus. So self-righteousness, frankly, is just really hard work. I'm not sure I have the energy for it. To be the central focus of everything, to be the standard by which everybody and everything is measured, to know all the answers, to be worthy of everything good, to be undeserving of anything bad, it's exhausting. It's just exhausting. I'm not equal to that. But Paul implies that through saving us, Jesus is recognized that we are weak, foolish, we have little impact on anything or anyone. So it's all on Jesus then. All of it's on Jesus. That's a relief. Pressure off. If you feel you need the pressure off this morning, if you feel you need to let something go, if you feel you need to let God have His plan so that you're not being burdened by your own, if you feel the, the need to keep justifying yourself, the pressure to be right, then get some prayer this morning because it is God's agenda through Jesus to take the pressure off. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You that we do not need to do because we are not equal, but that You have done everything through Jesus that we need. Thank You that You are the center of the universe and that everything revolves around You. Draw us into You, Lord, and rescue us from our own strivings and worries, pressures, and let us give You the place that takes the pressure off. In Jesus' name, amen.